0: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Will Duterte return? We have just spent P-12 billion to conduct a national Barangay election. It was supposed to showcase the democratization of our people's access to political power at the grassroots, yet it also revealed the democratization of access to political corruption as the prevailing system. It's a mixture of good and bad, and we have to work hard as a nation to make sure the good portion ultimately prevails. It was in the early 1970s when President Marcos Sr. created the Barangay as the nation's smallest political subdivision. It is one of the genuine achievements of the Marcos presidency and has endured as a constitutional reform but its overall performance has been uneven. In the beginning, the Barangays produced a core of highly efficient and effective leaders. They were purely appointive officials and had no access to government contracts or to the pork barrel system. But they delivered. They were the first ones to support me when I decided to become an elected politician. This was in 1978, when President Marcos convinced me to run in the interim Batisong-Pambanza regional elections. By then, I had become the youngest cabinet member, but I had nothing with which to conduct a decent Batasan campaign. All I had was the story of my life, from the time I crossed the mountains and the seas of Catanduanes until I landed in Manila as a working student, became a newspaper man, and ended in the cabinet at 29. It was my Barangay supporters who convinced me that, with that kind of life story, I did not need anything else to keep my campaign going. So I told my story again and again, and without having to spend one red cent on a single vote, I topped the Bicol election with a margin of more than 200,000 votes over my closest rival. Upon my proclamation, some overenthusiastic young Bicolanos carried me on their shoulders. Now, all that has changed. In the last local election that I witnessed, open vote buying had apparently become the norm. There was no attempt to hide the immoral and illegal transaction between candidates and voters, and no effort on the part of the law to go after the malefactors either. In certain areas of the city, large streamers carried the sign, no money no vote, and voters lined up to receive the political bribe from candidates or their representatives. A couple of weeks or so before the October 30th election, the Commission on Elections, Cumlec, threatened not to proclaim 241 Barangay candidates, even if they won, if they were facing disqualification charges. We do not know what happened to this threat, but it would be much more impressive if the Cumlec announced the arrest and disqualification of so many candidates for vote-buying and related offenses. Our worst problems are yet to come. As though we have learned nothing from the confidence game being played on us by our politicians, we have begun to read of former President Rodrigo Duterte being allegedly the top choice for the Senate in the next elections. As happened in the past, the alleged survey will dictate who should be elected even before the elections are held, even before the named politicians have decided to run. Duterte is obviously interested in becoming a senator, not because he has an enormous lot to contribute to the work of legislation, but because he would like to be protected from the International Criminal Court (ICC) at The Hague that wants to investigate and try him for the extrajudicial killings in his well-known drug war. He will have to do this, especially if Vice President Sarah Duterte's chances of succeeding Marcos Jr. disintegrate because of the scandal about her intelligence funds. If Duterte, the father, becomes a senator, he could maneuver to become Senate President, thereby putting himself in the line of presidential succession, next to his daughter. We would then have a father and daughter as first and second potential presidential successors. This has not happened before. I don't believe it ever entered the minds of those who wrote the Constitution. Until Marcos Sr., all Filipino presidents either died in office or failed to win a second term. Marcos was the only one to get re elected. But he was ousted by the mutinous military generals and replaced by Cory Aquino in 1986. In 2001, Vice President Gloria Macapagal Arroyo succeeded in ousting President Joseph A. Jercito Estrada after only two years in office. She served until 2010, but instead of retiring after the presidency, She went on to become a member of Congress and Speaker of the House. She remains in the House as Deputy Speaker to her former protege, Speaker Martin Romualdes, a first cousin of the President. There ought to be a law against a former President running again for any elective position, but there is none. So Duterte is free to follow Arroyo's path when the time comes. This could present a lot of opportunities for Duterte and his clique, but not necessarily for Marcos Jr. and the nation.